One of the realities that I have been um, long aware of is um, the reality of how long it takes to make the connection so that you can understand Christianity. I think that, you know, I, I said to you several times that uh, when I was in high school, I, I always used to uh, experience the sisters, wonderful sisters and the priests who taught me. And in effect, I thought that they were giving me an answer that I had no question for. And so when you have an answer that you don't need, you don't have a question, it sort of becomes superfluous. You see, they were talking to me about Jesus loving me. And of course, I, you know, it's never a bad thing when somebody loves you. But um, I kind of sat there and kind of went, okay, thanks, that, that's nice. Or they would say, uh, Jesus died to save you. Yeah, I didn't say anything. But inside I was going, save me from what? I'm fine. It, it, uh, those are the kinds of answers that people give you and religion gives you. But you don't exactly know why they're important. They're not for you at the time. So I have always, I didn't wake up to the realities of what they were talking about until I was in my late teens, 19, 20, 21. And finally, when I got into that, it's a long story about you know my conversion. But finally, when I got to the understanding of what they were talking about, was in the middle of a crisis that I went through in my life. And I won't describe it to you, it's long. But it was a crisis in which very soon I became aware that the dreams that I had as, as a human being were not going to be realized that I was going to die and um, when you're young, you always think, you know, you have the future ahead of you, you know. You kind of dream almost, a lot unrealistically as to, I'm going to be happy when. And then you dream up this, this dream of, because you know you want something. Everybody wants. And as you dream in the future as to what you, when you're going to be happy, you can keep on going because, because all of your desires are pushed into the future. There's a psychological term, actually, it's interesting. I, I learned it a few years ago. People 
why everybody says, I'm going to be happy when, and then they push that sometime into the future when XYZ happens. It's a, the psychological name is called destination addiction. You are addicted to the illusion that you're going to be happy when, and then fill in the blank. But what happens at, to us at different times and in different places, and God decides, you know, to some of us it happens quickly, to some of us it happens as a result of the unfolding of life uh, gradually. But what ultimately happens is you're disillusioned with life. You are disillusioned with living. <clears throat> because all the things you dreamt about, all the wants and the hungers and the, the, the dreams that you had, yeah, you get a little bit of it. But there's always, you know, I think I've quoted this song to you, one of my favorite old songs. So since most of us here are not kids, um, there's a song by Peggy Lee, and it's called, Is That All There Is? Is that, the, I won't bore you with the whole song, I certainly won't sing it to you, but the song goes, the, the refrain goes, yeah, the, well, she tells the story of her father taking her to the circus, and then seeing a fire burning a house, and then being in love. And at every time each of those verses ends, she refrains, she repeats the refrain. And the refrain, after all of those scenes of the fire, of the circus, and of being in love, she says, is that all there is? Is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is to love? Is that all there is to a circus? She repeats those. And then she says, if that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing break out the booze, and have a ball. Now, that sense of incompleteness, that sense of wanting more than is available here in this world, is universal. All of us, most philosophers call it the human condition. The human condition is the fact that uh, we are born wanting, we always want something, but our wants always exceed what is available. And you keep on wanting even when your body starts breaking down and you're faced with dying. And you look back and yeah, you had some good times, but it's still, you want more. And even though you want more, 
There doesn't seem to be more. And so you start asking the question, so why do I, why was I born with wanting more and it's not available? What's the point of this? You know, let me tease it, let me taste it, and then say, hey, did you taste this? And he goes, oh yeah, it's, it's wonderful. You, you can't have any more. That's what life feels like to me. You know, taste a little bit of love, taste a little bit of happiness, taste a little bit of success. And then you go, oh yeah, I want more. And then you're told, nope, that's all there is. And so Peggy Lee answers it by getting drunk. Get drunk. Forget about it. Try not to think about your the things that you want, the things that are left empty, the emptiness that you feel. Try to notice what she says. If that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing. What's dancing? It's continuous activity. Activity that doesn't allow you to think. Let's break out the booze. Another one of those things that dulls your mind and stops asking questions. Because in reality, that is it. And every human being in this world has felt it. We don't think, we try not to think about it because it, if you think about it too long, it'll drive you crazy. So we push it off. Happiness will happen in the future. I know. I, know. I sometimes believe that instead of faith, hope, and charity, what we practice is faith, cope, and charity that we, we learn, basically, we have a little faith, but we basically learn how to cope in the middle of this world. And my friends, that is a universal experience. You know, when I was in graduate school, I had a particular interest in Buddhism. And Buddhism is it's interesting because Buddhism begins with four noble truths. And the first noble truth of Buddhism is life is mostly suffering. The second noble truth of Buddhism is the way, the reason you suffer is because you want, you desire. The third noble truth is in order to get rid of suffering, you have to stop desiring. Now, the Force Noble Truth tells you how to do that. That's what enlightenment is. But think about it. In Buddhism especially, the answer that Buddhism gives you is to get rid of all desire. Because when you stop desiring, even the desire to be happy, then you can accept the world as it is and then you can let go because if you don't want anything you don't you don't get sad when you get nothing and so basically that's the answer that's that's in part, partially enlightenment i've always found it very interesting that christianity is the exact opposite of buddhism in that sense you see, in Christianity, Christianity 
Jesus acknowledges all the, the desires. He, he uses metaphors. Jesus uses metaphors to help you to, to, um, to see what he's pointing at. In the gospel today, which by the way, if you got a little confused, the next, these three Sundays, um, the church gives you two sets of readings and you can choose if from either from the cycle, the, the church cycle is divided into A, B, and C. And if you want, if you have catechumens who are going to be baptized, you can choose from A. And if you don't have any catechumens that are going to be baptized, you can choose from C. Um, the first two readings were from cycle C, but I went to cycle A to do the gospel. But anyway, when Jesus speaks, he uses metaphors. You know the chief three metaphors? Hunger, thirst, and exhaustion. Hunger, thirst, and exhaustion. Think about it. The physical correlation to the internal desires of your heart for happiness, for eternal, you know, because a friend of mine one time asked me, how much happiness do you want? Is a month okay? Is a year? About 10 years. 20? And when you come to it, none of it is okay. You want total happiness, eternal happiness. You want it. Who wouldn't want it? But you're not going to get it. That's the, the message of life is you're going to be disappointed. That's why Buddhists say stop wanting it. Stop wanting it. But Jesus goes the other way. He says hunger. That's an, a, a, a metaphor for the emptiness inside of you. So how does he respond? He doesn't tell you stop being hungry. He says, I am the bread of life. He who eats this bread will never hunger. He's telling you that the desire is not something you need to give up. It's a desire that you were created with. And that you have to understand that the desire is only fulfilled in your connection to God. And that you can try to fill it with everything you want in this world, but you're always going to have desire. That's why he says, you know, you will not be hungry if you eat. This is the bread of life. Today, well, let me take the second one. Exhaustion. Why do you think, he knows all of us get exhausted. And why do you think he says, come to me, all you who are weary, who find life burdensome. And I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy. Why is he saying that? Because life is hard. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Why is he saying burden is light? Because life's burden is hard. Come to me. So you have hunger. You have the metaphor of, of exhaustion. And then today, you have the metaphor of thirst. Jesus says to the woman, give me a drink. 
And the woman is totally focused on this plane right here. I want to, you're at a well and, and you don't even have a bucket. And Jesus says, if you knew who was speaking to you, you would have asked him and he would give you living water so that you would never thirst again. Get the parallels here? You're never going to be hungry again. You're never going to thirst again. You're going to, you're going to let go of your tired. All of them are metaphors. And of course, the woman doesn't understand. Oh, yeah, give me this water. Where do I get it? What, you want me to get you a bucket? He's not talking about that. He's talking about the water that satisfies the thirst of your soul. And he's basically saying, I am the completion of every desire that you have ever had. And if you would like hope, if you would like to learn to live not with cope, but with hope, you put your, you put your destiny in him. Because in the resurrection, Jesus has faced the limits of human life, the ending of human life, the absurdity of all of this, and he has come out on the other side. And he has come to offer it to us. That's why one of my favorite parts of the Bible, if you were to ask Jesus, why did you come to this world? The answer is right there. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Why? Because we don't. Because we don't have it to the full. You are a living thirst. You are a living hunger. You are a living exhaustion. And the only ultimate answer to that is to get it from God. Otherwise, I would suggest you become a, a Buddhist. And that's a sincere. If you can't handle or you can't believe the promise of Jesus, I would encourage you to become a Buddhist. Because the only other answer, well, no, wait, there's another answer. There's the answer of Peggy Lee. To, if you want the answer of Peggy Lee, if you're not ready to become a Buddhist, and you want the answer to baby the just stock up your liquor cabinet or drugs or something, something to keep you away, keep you not thinking. So you have keep dancing and let's break out the booze and have a ball. Or you have Buddhism. Personally, I'd rather give my, bet my life, and I have bet my life on Jesus. Because I do believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I trust that he has come to help me make my life a life to the full. During the season of Lent, he's inviting us to pay attention. If you're not doing one of those three, Buddhism, drunkenness, or Christianity, I don't know how you're making it. You must be just making it from day to day. There's a better way. And it's being offered to us by Christ.